Hey, this is Ethan, co-host of Edge of NFT. Before we get started, a little bit of fun and exciting housekeeping up front. First, a shout out to and from a very special listener and fan. Then a quick update on our Spirit Seed NFT project. And last but not least, letting you know about the incredible NFT LA convention we are planning for February 2022. Okay, we owe a special shout out to and from one of our Spirit Seed holders, known as Blake Beyond on Twitter, who entered our Spirit Seed giveaway a few weeks back. Hi, Blake. Blake won a bit of real estate in our newsletter and on the podcast. His refreshingly positive message is also featured in issue number 11 of our newsletter, just released. Here it is. I am Blake Beyond, and I dedicated this spirit seed to attracting abundance for all creators of metaverse-ready NFT fashion and luxury NFTs. Don't be strangers. Let's connect and help each other grow. All right. Thank you, Blake, for your powerful role in the Edge of NFT community. We appreciate you. Make sure you don't miss out on your chance to join Blake as an elite member of the Spirit Seed holding community. You can review all the perks of ownership and get yours at spiritseeds.xyz. And I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, but we've got some surprise exclusive benefits for Spirit Seed holders we'll be delivering in the next few weeks. Don't miss out on that. Finally, pause this pod right now and go to nftla.live and get your tickets to our convention in LA. Our website is live and we've got limited availability for this top tier event filled with high caliber participants and speakers. Don't miss it. nftla.live. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hey there, NFT Curious listener. Today's episode is one of an incredible series we're sharing from our visit to New York City the first week of November 2021. Keep listening for exclusive access to conversations we had at the NFT NYC convention and Dreamverse, as well as snippets from our run-ins with amazing folks on the street and in parties and private events. You'll hear from the top players in NFT, from Beeple to Gary V, and discover everything in between. These sessions cut right from one hot interview to the next without much chatter in between to give you the feeling of being there and listening in on various conversations. We'll introduce our guests as they enter. Enjoy. Hey guys, we're back again at NYC NFT with Jeff Crane, uh, the director, producer, and probably a lot of other hats for the movie, NFT the movie. What's going on, Jeff? Good to see you in real life. Thanks, guys. So does everybody know your names on this podcast? Yes. They okay, do. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, who's everybody? I don't, I don't know if every listener knows everyone. But I we don't got... even know these guys' names. What's your name over there? <laughs> I'm Jeff Kelly. What's Jeff up? Kelly. There you oh, go. Okay, cool. so I think Jeff, I've heard of you. Everybody's got to introduce each other. That's it. Okay. Once oh. more. All right. So, well, I'm Ethan Janney, right? This is, you say your name. Josh Krieger. <laughs> And Jeff Kelly. Ethan, Jeff, and Josh. That's it. Names are important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We got to get those right. Welcome. Thanks for welcoming me here to the uh, podcast, guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Great to have you on. So Josh and I were in Puerto Rico. We had heard of NFT the movie, but we hadn't interacted much. We met Major Dream Williams mm-hmm. at this kind of business networking event, which is really cool. They have a lot of kind of fun and fresh Crypto stuff. Monday? I wasn't actually. I oh, didn't get a okay. chance to go to Crypto Monday, but there was just a general like, hey, mostly young entrepreneurs get together in San Juan. Yeah. I think it was Drew's event. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some some of the guys were organizing. We're doing some yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, putting some together some co-working spaces, just trying to reinforce the economic development there. With really cool vibe, really exciting people having huge visions, you know, which which is always exciting when people are are willing to dream big. And then of course mentioned the word dream. We met Major Dream. Talk He's about dreaming awesome. big. Yeah. yeah, and he was just so excited about the movie and wanted to do an interview with us. Uh, and set one up and we got it set up really quick. We got to do it in a really awesome location and everything. But we hadn't really connected with you and, and met you. So maybe you could just tell us and also share for the listeners, like just a little about what your role is and like how you know Major and, and yeah. how everything pulls together. Thank you. We're going to dig up that interview because apparently we need to put that in the movie. It's going in the movie. It's going in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been in blockchain for about three and a half years As most people do, since the dawn of man, people have gone to the temple. They've gone to the mountain. They've gone to Mecca. And three and a half years ago, as funny as it is, I was was reading a New York Times article a buddy of mine gave me. And uh, he said, hey, man, you want to go find this guy? And it was Brock Pierce standing in that window in old San Juan. And he had just gotten to Puerto Rico and basically lifted the lid, even though Michael Turpin was there first, because he's the godfather and Brock is like the big brother. So what we did was we went on a one-way ticket to go find this guy. We didn't know where he was. Lo and behold, the, the next thing we know, we raised like $1.25 million in three and a half weeks. Not from Brock, not from his friends, but, you know, just being in the, in the area. And we started a blockchain company called Glyph ID. That was about three and a half years ago. And, and what had happened was what you do, and I'll answer the question, um, but what you do when you build a brand is because we talked about this a little bit before the show, you can't be the person. You have to build everybody else up so that when you're not there, they're talking about it and they're wearing the shirts and they're they're living the dream. And so what had happened was we went up to Brock and we said, hey, bro, you mind if we have a party in your monastery suites? Just a little party. Six to 700 people showed up. And at that point, we realized, okay, you have to be the COI the center of influence. You you need to be able to help other people. So fast forward to February of this year, I was consulting for my friend, Brian Christensen for Block Cities. He said, come on out to Puerto Rico, I'll pay for everything. And that's when I saw the FOMO of NFTs. The billionaires, the millionaires were all flying to like Dubai and they were flying, I'm like, dude, what's going on? Mm. So every single entrepreneur in this room has done this. So what I did was with this FOMO, I went to one place, GoDaddy, and I went to look for domain names, right? I think you snagged some of the ones that Jeff was, re- you know, relying yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, Jeff did that game, too. It goes with the name, bro. Yeah, buddy. I just did the nuts for everybody. And so what I, you're going to love this, Jeff. Yeah. So what I did was, is I started my career in internet businesses, creditcardrates.com, homeclassifieds.com in like 96. So I looked up NFT classifieds and it was freaking available. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) But I got that thing at one in the morning. So I woke up at eight and I was like, what in the H am I doing? I'm slower. I'm not as sharp. I don't have as much money as these guys. I don't want to compete with my friends. I want to go into a room and have fun. 
I don't want to have to keep to myself all this quote unquote beautiful ideas for NFTs. So I immediately went to Facebook instead of going to an auction because all my friends were there. I said, hey guys, I'm selling nftclassifieds.com. First opening bid is $2,500. Pedro Rivera, who runs Crypto Mondays within five minutes says, hey bro, I'll buy it for 2,500. I'm like, no, dude, I said that was the opening bid. But because it's Pedro, and we ended up with $8,500. When that happened, I looked at the math. You guys mathematicians? That's a 6,500% increase, right? Just because those three letters became popular this year. Mm -hmm. Even though they were popular to the geeks a couple, two, three years ago, right? I'm like, this is ridiculous. I used another word. I was like cursing to myself. I'm this is insane. I'm like, dude, I got to do a movie. That was the inspiration because it was incredulous that that could happen that quickly. So we funded our movie with $12.17. Holy cow. That domain. That's amazing. From that domain. Yeah. So we, of course, I got NFT the movie. I got the NFT the movie. Of course, I trademarked a whole bunch of stuff. One thing led to the next. And the reason that we're here, I will say this, is because of people like Brittany Kaiser and Landon Reed and Ken Bozak, where I'd pick up the phone and I was in a stressful situation. I'm like, what do I do? For example, with Brittany, do you guys know who Brittany? Of course. Of course, yeah. you know who Brittany is. Yeah. She did the great hack and she did many other things. I was having problems with my first set of filmmakers because I'd never done a film before. And I was having a meltdown and I called her and I said, should I do this movie? She's like, yeah, 10 million people know who I am. Absolutely do this movie. So I hung up the phone. I'm like, okay. And every step of the way, I would call somebody. And you know when you have that friend, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your brother or sister, maybe. Well, you can call them and you know that what they're telling you is from their heart and there's no ulterior motive to kind of transact you. I had so many people who were just so supportive. We started the documentary in May of this year and submitted it to Sundance in September. We have 40 interviews in the movie. And of course, we have to slip you guys in. And the movie is about humanity and technology. It's not about technology. It's about people because people do not change, technology changes. So you could take this story, half of the people are proficient. The other people, they didn't know anything about NFTs until we Hmm. spoke to them. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, we really look at Edge of NFT as the intersection of technology and culture. And the possibilities are limitless now relative to even a couple of years ago because of the adaption of NFTs. Adoption, you know, it's not even about the fact that this capability was there. It was about the fact that we as a society have decided to tap into this magic. Yeah, and it's changing things, right? Way beyond just what the world of collectibles is, right? The, the mainstream stuff that you see in the media. People's lives are changing. People are making a living off of Axie Infinity in the Philippines. I think they said more people have an Axie Infinity wallet than have a bank account. Wow. Right. Over the Philippines. Right? That's and amazing. Game changing in Vietnam, of course, where they're, where they're based and, and many, many other projects just like that. And in the Philippines, if I'm not mistaken, people are making a thousand, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month on the NFT gaming and they're paying for their entire lifestyle. Yeah. Their bills yeah. or everything playing games. Yeah. We met a gentleman, or I did, about a month ago that has over 400 scholars that he's funded to play that game. And they have scholars underneath them that they've funded to play that game. So we're talking about generational wealth creation 
happening overnight. And he started this program like less than two months ago. Do you know what I love about that? So do you guys have kids? What's your I have a three-year-old at home and yeah, about, he's the same. So they're younger. Mm-hmm. So I have teenagers. And the other day I bought some Ken token and I gave them a half a million 10 co- tokens each for my three kids, right? So half a million. And it dawned on me, and I'll get to your point, brother. It dawned on me, like, I should have been doing this years ago. Like, I'm not giving them an escape board. I'm going to give them tokens. Yeah. And what I love about the premise of that gentleman and there's other companies that are doing grants, it's like they're orphans and they're funding them and they're taking care of them. And it's like they're family. They're not blood. And they may not even know them. They've may never even met them. And they're supporting. How beautiful is that? That's mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. When you're walking on the street and somebody asks you for money, if you have a dollar bill in your hand, you give them a dollar bill and you move on. You don't judge a person. That's my belief. You don't judge a person. And so I love the fact that the community, and that's how come we're here, because people did the same thing. They said, hey, Jeff, you don't know what you're doing. So let me just guide you because we like your mission. Edge of NFT, you don't have all the answers. Let's guide you. Well, the proof is on the blockchain, right? If they're playing the game, that's trackable. If, if they're doing something with this opportunity that has been given to them, it's all transparent. It's all open. And I think that it creates an incentive structure that didn't exist before now. So speaking of of sort of giving back and impact, what happens next? You, you do the movie. I guess you have a, a big premiere planned. Where do you go from there? It's a good question. Sundance is very important in the lives of independent filmmakers. And they were the pretty much the first ones, Bob Redford and our town there, really took care of the artists. And so I, I love that culture. But regardless if we make it into Sundance, and I hope we do, we will have our own premiere during Sundance, and it will be a two-day premiere. First day, we'll be running the movie late morning to early morning concurrently to the NFT holder, ticket holders that will come to the actual premiere. And you guys are welcome to come, of course, as our guests. And then the second day, we're going to have three clinics running concurrently, how to make an NFT, how to market an NFT, and how to auction an NFT. Because it's not about teaching an artist how to paint and a musician how to play a guitar. It's really just giving them some of those tools. And what I feel like is what you're not going to get with NFT, the movie, is a start to finish. Okay, now I'm ready to make an NFT. That's Mm -hmm. not what the movie is about. And I know that because it says NFT, the movie, everybody has their own impression of what that might be. Like the word love. Some people have different impressions of what love is, Mm -hmm. right? And so where do we go from here? What happens is in January, we do the premiere and we've not submitted to South by Southwest or any other festival because we're not, although it might say in my tag here, we're movie makers, we're not movie makers. What we'll be doing though, and here's the cool part. I don't know if Major said this. What happened was before I started filming, I had talked to Ken Bozak and I said, hey bro, would you like to be in the movie? He's like, absolutely. He goes, but let me give you some advice. Cut it up into pieces. Can't, don't do your whole entire film, right, in one NFT. So we film the film ahead of time in pieces. Now, in the blockchain community, if you were here in 2019 consensus, where are you guys here at the 2019 consensus? If you remember, there were 8,000 people and there was, it was $2,000 a ticket and everything, including the toilet paper, was wrapped in the logo, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember who was there. It's like a tribe. And then you go to like, oh, were you in Lisbon and were you there and stuff, right? Yep. So the way we did it is we filmed in five locations, Puerto Rico, Texas, Florida, California, and Utah. 
each one of those is an NFT ticket. Each one of them is NFT the movie California, NFT the movie blah, blah, blah. So what we have is a series per se, if you want to call it that. So next year, and we'll also be adding like maybe the full interview that you had with Major in the NFT for the NFT Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. along with Crystal Rose Pierce, Michael Turpin, six or seven other people who are locals to Puerto Rico that you don't know, that you will get to know. And now we can add stuff to the movie till next year, right? Because we submitted to Sundance and you can only put so much in there. So mm-hmm. that's the future of NFT the movie. Oh, it's fascinating. It'd be very cool for you guys to get into Sundance. It's really interesting also, just the, the such rapid progression of NFT space, right? Because hearing about NFT, the movie, you probably yourself, even when you first started down the project, you're like, I think this should be in Sundance, but will the world <laughs> be ready for it to be in Sundance by Sundance? And I'm finding myself fascinated that I feel that, yes, you know, I feel yeah. given, you know, all of the major players that have moved into the space just over the past few months. I mean, we've talked to one of, you know, that's got Quincy Jones backing that project. You know, there's major filmmakers that are involved in this stuff. Major sports card, I mean, huge brands. Tom Brady. So, yeah, this this idea that you guys could get into Sundance, I mean, it makes total sense. I agree. And I'll tell you this, the reason I'm being somewhat humble in this situation and backing up a little is because I've never done a movie before. And so although our co-director, let me back up two seconds. Our co-director, Danny Drysdale, did Vanilla Ice's documentary, and he does like the Killers and Imagine Dragons videos. Michael Berkland uh, has brought uh, seven movies to Sundance and has been in the industry for 30 years. So let me just say that I didn't just go out and like, hey, I'm going to make a movie. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I got professionals. However, the way that we made it maybe they would be like, "Ah, I don't know if this is after snuff or whatever, but it's a true documentary. Think the camera falls over, we let it fall over and we let it roll, right? This, we let things run because, let me take two steps back. The reason we want to lead with humanity is because it's not what we say, it's how we say it. Maya Angelou once said, she said, people will forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how they made you feel. So Brittany Kaiser was pregnant with Orion, who is now on this earth, which is beautiful, while we interviewed her. Matt McGibbons, her partner, looks into the camera and speaks to Orion into the future. Can never unpregnant. I mean, you can't go back and have another pregnant Brittany. As a matter of fact, when I call her, she's like, Jeff, you better get here, bro, because I'm not going to do any more interviews. And this baby's going to come and I'm off limits. Yeah. Jin Yu. You guys want to know who Jin Yu is? God rest his soul. He passed away a month or so ago from COVID. Mm. He was considered one of the godfathers of NFTs. He did Edward Snowden's NFT. He had the largest clubhouse. And we got him in the interview. And he's so beautiful Mm. and so gracious. In Clubhouse, you don't see their faces. In the movie, you'll be able to see his face. His legs up on the couch. He's relaxed. He's talking about what NFTs aren't, right? He's just very cool. So... We have somebody who stutters and we have different color people and we have different genders. I think it's so important because as people sit there, they're going to wait till their archetype shows up. Sorry. And then they're going to go, now I'm going to listen. I feel something from that Mm. person. Right. That to me is the most important part because we could be sitting here right now talking so many wonderful things. But if somebody doesn't care and they don't think you care about them, they're not going to listen. I think there's a light switch in this industry for everyone. And it's just a matter of time before that 
light switch flips on for the vast majority of, of the populace. Yeah. There's also a lot of baked-in diversity, I think, in, in NFT and crypto, right? But showing up at an event like this, it, it, I wasn't even really thinking about it, but somebody pointed it out to me, you know, and he was like, we were at a party last night, you know, of holders of all these, you know, fun NFT collections. And he's like, you know, why I'm here. I'm here because, you know, look at this person and this person. This is, they're all different. See, they're, they're all different people. Very interesting to see whatever the spirit is. It does, like you said, it brings together a lot of different people who have a common connection, which is, which is fun. Yeah. And it's just scratching the surface. We see it all the time because we're, we're living and breathing NFTs, but the vast majority of the world is not connected to NFTs in any meaningful way. Let me ask you guys a question, if I may, since I've done a whole bunch of interviews, right? Go for it. So January, February of this next year, where are you guys going to be? Where you, what In the next three months, what's your future for Edge of NFT? We're cooking up quite a lot. And, you know, the future is, is quite bright for us. We are in the midst of launching our first NFT project called Living Tree NFTs. And, you know, this is art that Ethan's been working on for quite a long time. And we're really excited to have our own in-house artist, creator. And the goal of these trees is to support the ecosystem, to, to fertilize and to grow everyone in it. So the trees will have all sorts of access and benefits that we're still evolving. You know, some really cool things about this particular project, the word co-creation just emerged you know, organically as, as part of our ethos from the very start. And it's just worked so well to define what we're doing and explain what we're doing in, in all these cases. So we see it manifesting in just how we act. But as we say it, it's a great way to communicate what we're all about. And I think, you know, the NFT collection that we're releasing with Living Tree NFT, it's going to support that. So when we say co-creation, it's not just us three co-creating. It's all the people that are listening, that are paying attention, that are on social. That have been on our show. Yeah. 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 And we're seeding that with a very special collaboration with Nicole Buffett, very amazing and humble artist. She has a project called Spirit Coins, and it's really to tell the story of art being a new form of currency or being recognized for the currency that it has always been, mm-hmm. right? And so we're doing a limited edition here, starting here, of 100 spirit seeds, where those will provide VIP access to our upcoming conference in Q1, which we'll be announcing soon, as well as to our NFT Living Trees. And you have a chance to offset your carbon for a year, which is pretty cool because we all have a carbon footprint, mm-hmm. whether whether it's lighter or heavier, mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, you have a one in 10 chance of earning one of Nicole's amazing spirit tokens or spirit coins, which are currently have around a three, four ETH floor. So it's a project that innately gives back, hopefully more than your average project. And it has a lot of long-term utility because as we grow... You never know where these living trees will go. As more folks get on the show and want to collaborate, these trees are a manifestation of our ecosystem. Yeah, I love yeah. it. We yeah, strongly they- considered even you know forming a DAO to drive how we manage the podcast and everything we do around content. There are a lot of ins and outs to that, but similar to what we're talking about now, you know, a DAO would involve that community in driving 
how we evolve over time. And, and that's exactly what we want our NFT holders to do, to talk with us and work with us around guests, around questions, around format, around how we evolve other topics that we cover above and beyond even NFTs. That's the genesis I think of it's project. smart. I, honestly, guys, I feel like we're in the same family because when you look back, like you guys have had the benefit of interviewing a whole bunch of people. I'll use us as an example. If you go to nfttheMovie.com, you really won't see anything. You'll see a logo, you'll see a mission statement and a little form that says, hey, do you want to see, be in the movie? And many people are like, dude, you could be crushing it right now selling NFTs. And every interview I did, I stepped back further and further and further. Not because I was afraid, because I got more and more perspective. And then when I was ready, I'm like, okay, so we have our own production people in-house, right? We're here in New York looking for more people to take care of this production because we do NFT movie posters, NFT trailers, all those are NFTs, and actually even NFT advertising spots within the movie, right? So we have to have somebody produce those. But instead of being a media company or a film company, we are an NFT company, mm. right? Yeah. So what I love about what you guys are doing is it's not just like, I'm just going to interview people until I'm tired of interviewing and I never want to speak to another soul. And you're actually doing something internally with everything that you've been learning. How amazing is yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, definitely co-creating and a lot of folks have come to us for help on some pretty incredible projects. And we always are, are down to give people feedback and ideas, recognizing that it's okay in this industry to say, I don't know, because we're all learning as we go. But we are sort of in the process of, of forming our own creator studio as well, which will give a segment of projects that we're really pumped about an opportunity to have a home where we can nurture them and support them from the jump. So that's, that's so part smart. of the mix as well. So smart. We're doing the same thing. You guys probably have read these books, but multiple streams of income or The One Minute Millionaire with Robert Allen. And also he's co-authored with uh, Mark Victor Hansen, Chicken Soup for the Soul. But we're now bringing on like authors, not just musicians, technologists, and filmmakers. We're bringing on these people who have had a career of 30 years of multiple New York Times bestsellers. And they have all of these. They're like, now what do I do? I'm like, guess what? You get to live on mm. and you're... Your words get to live on and your kids are going to be remunerated for the things that you do. Because right now, the only way you're getting it, they're getting a check is from the publisher if they buy a book. And so there's a whole new world for these people who have had this amazing content. Can you imagine if Napoleon Hill was alive today and we had Think and Grow Rich yeah. as an NFT and the impact? That was the first book I ever read when I was 13. First book I fully finished because I had such ADD, I couldn't finish books, but that book spoke to me. Hmm. And it said, you don't have to fit inside that box. You run your own little business. You can do your own little thing. Those are the people that I want to have come out and use the utility that you guys have within your organization, but then tell their message, like the Gary V's or the Tony Robbins or whatever the case is, that gets people up and changes societies regardless if it's an NFT or not. It just happens to be the distribution of the message. I right, think, yes. I think in particular for Jeff and I, we were business partners before this, and we co-founded a company called Territory Foods. At the core of Territory Foods was co-creation. We were, I believe, one of the first prepared meal companies to mm. put the chef on the label with our brand and co-brand the meals that these chefs created. We didn't have to, to do that the, the normal approach there is to centralize production. And you don't know who's cooking your food. 
But we just felt like there was a greater connectivity between the consumer enjoying the meal and, and our brand if they knew who made the food. And so this idea of co-creation, it's been in our DNA for over a decade. And so what NFTs provide is the fluidity to make that easier. And, you know, we're trying to do that. That's why we're partnering with Nicole Buffett. And, and so, so we're having this conversation. I'm sure we'll keep this dialogue going and figure out other ways to co-create after today. So really Can I make on- a suggestion. Yeah, it just came to me, bro. We need to co-create together. See, what happens is sometimes because we're sitting on the other side of the table, I need to be sitting right next to you guys, you know, metaphorically speaking. So let's co-create something together. Can you imagine that? We're talking about two atom bombs coming together and completely making a fun mess. Yeah, man. And we have it lot. We have it on tape, so uh, we can look back at this moment <laughs> and uh, remember it. Disc, yeah. <laughs> that's it. You're you right, guys are right. so awesome. May like I that. just say before we go? I don't know if you're about to wrap this up. That it was like a last minute thing. You guys, hey, why don't you come up and do the interview? This culture is so giving. There's no hey, come on. When you go on the street, no offense, I think it's a great ploy. You have people hand you beaded jewelry, and if you hold it, you bought it. Right. right? There's some sort of transaction. Right. It's rare that I see somebody who's transacting in our community. It happened two or three years ago. I saw it. But now people just give. Mm. And it gives me that energy to give to somebody else. So I want to thank you guys for spending time with me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it forward and spend some time with some people today and just grab them and go, hey, let's talk. Right on. So thank you for inspiring. Well, thank you, man. It was great to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Our pleasure, man. And thank I cannot you. wait to see the movie, man. Yeah, you guys wait. have to come to premiere. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be insane. There's parts of it where you'll cry. There's you will. There's parts of it that you'll laugh. But I think what the overall feeling will be is are these humans? Like, do they live on our planet? Like, are, do they live subterranean? Because th- there's so many diverse things going on that it's hard to even, as- if you come from the outside world, it's hard to associate that gap, yeah. right? Yeah. So luckily with Edge of NFT, you guys are filling some of that gap. Try our best. Try You as well. Thank All you. right, brother. Thank you again. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Kelly from Edge of NFT. I'm here with Sorab Rudy from FCF Fan Control Football, one of our favorite projects in the space right now. Super excited to have you here, man. Thanks, Jeff. It's fun. We're excited. So what's happening in your world, man? You're out here in New York. Uh, so many different things popping in the space right now. Tell us about what you guys are up to. Uh, well, we're closing in on our uh, Series A. We've got a, an incredible lead investor out of the Web3 space who's really, I think, embraced what we're building, which is this kind of you know sitting in the middle of IRL and URL, right? And, and bringing the worlds of physical and digital together. So can't say exactly what it is yet. We announced it in December, but so I'm out here meeting a bunch of investors and having conversations around how do you really take and create utility in NFTs? And that's what I'm passionate about. I love my board eight. I'm a big collector. I, I love NFTs in general. I think to me, the next evolution of NFTs is going to be on the utility side. And I want to be kind of on the forefront of it with sports and and really figure out how we can change the narrative around what an NFT is capable of from an access standpoint, gaming standpoint, all sorts of things in uh, in a real world sports league. That's amazing, man. And so for our listeners that don't know, can you tell a little bit about what uh, fan control football really is? and how NFTs are going to take that to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So Fan Control Football is a real-world football league. Uh, And really what we decided to do was build football from the ground up for the digital fan. So we we took a step back. 
and said, you know, if you look at sports right now, all the major sports were created literally 100 years ago, right? Before any of this technology existed, before televisions existed, people were going to stadiums to consume sports. So that is the format that was created to satisfy that audience. Nobody's really created a sport in the physical world to satisfy the digital audience, right? Video games, obviously the popularity there has grown like crazy. And you've got this young generation that's looking for lean forward interactive experiences. So we basically created a real world sport that is tailored to the digital fan. And that's what fan controlled football is. It's real players on the field. We have two guys from our first season playing in the NFL. So the football playing is legit, but everything about the league and the teams is controlled by the fans. Everything from naming the team, designing the logo, choosing the uniforms. And then when you get into game day, drafting the players that play on the team and calling all of the plays in real time like you're playing a video game. This is all the power of the crowd, the wisdom of the crowd. It's building digital communities around these teams. And it's empowering fans to really be able to drive a team to a championship and say, when you say we won a championship, you get to mean it because you actually had an impact on, on what happened. Yeah, man, that's so exciting. And we've been big fans and, and full disclosure, we're uh, investors in the company. We've been huge fans for many years now. And also the integration of NFTs is going to take this whole thing to another level. Can you tell us a little more about how that is going to impact uh, fans participation? Yeah. So, I mean, we, when, when, I, when I talk about what we're building, I call it a real life video game. Right? I've always had this concept. I've been working on this for five plus years now, all the way back 2018. We looked at how do we integrate a token into the ecosystem, right? If you think about when you play a mobile game or a video game, you're always collecting gold or gems or tokens or something, right? You've got this kind of digital layer. And so, you know, we looked at that back in 2018. I think we were early in integrating a token into a football league. The world's come, I think, to a point where now play to earn is here. It's the future of gaming. It's the future of entertainment. It's the future of everything. And then on the NFT side, I looked at NFTs and what struck me over the last six to eight months wasn't necessarily flipping and making money. It was community. It was really seeing, and it didn't, doesn't matter. Some of these projects, you have a passionate 300 people. Some you have a passionate fucking 30,000 people, right? Like there's all on the spectrum. But what struck me is the passion of people from all over the world that were coming together and had this shared interest in a project. And so as we looked at our first season, you know, we had four teams in our first season. We have celebrity owners, Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman and Quavo, which helped bring fans into the, to the sport. But then what we saw was kind of these digital communities forming around our, our physical teams, right? And fans meeting up uh, in Discord or on Twitter and talking about calling plays and drafting players. And so what I wanted to do was bring those two worlds together, the NFT world and blockchain world and our fan communities. And so we just announced uh, two weeks ago two new teams, and they're going to be powered by NFTs. And by powered, I mean, you will need to own one of the, we call it the Ballers Collective. So you will need to own one of the Ballers NFTs in order to participate with one of these two expansion teams. And so it's gated access. Our first four teams, anybody from the world, it's free to play. Anybody can join. This is going to be an exclusive club, and it's going to be limited to 10,000 per team. And if you don't have one of those, you can't make a decision for that team. So it, it, the, the idea here is to really empower 10,000 people in this community to build and create and see where they can take a team and really build in a bunch of utility on. We have our stadium in, uh, in uh, Atlanta. So a lot of the NFTs, the bowlers are going to have VIP access and, and season tickets and access to the sidelines of practice and voting power and all sorts of things built into the NFT itself. So really kind of create some utility value in, in holding one of these bowlers. That is sick, dude. That's so amazing. I mean, the concept of FCF to begin with, like being able to allow fans to be able to call plays and select teams and be involved 
is amazing and groundbreaking in and of itself, right? The layering of NFTs in there to help elevate that to a whole other level is game changing. And I think the idea that community drives everything is so central to this. It's so central to the most successful projects in the space. It's amazing to see that you're doing that. And if you guys are listening now, go check it out. FCF, amazing project, amazing ties to NFT, bridging the digital and physical world in so many different ways. And now backed by, it sounds like a pretty amazing investor that's going to help make this thing even better. And I wanted to, to let people know, like, where should they go to continue to keep tabs on what FCF is up to, what you're doing and all this goodness that's been uh, being created here? Yeah, so our, our website is fcf.io, so that's the easiest place to go. Follow us on Twitter, it's fcfl.io, fan-controlled football league, and we're updating daily. We've got news. We just announced a deal with NBC, so all of our games are streamed live on Twitch. They're now going to be on NBC and Peacock as well. We just announced with these two new NFT teams, Steve Aoki and uh, 888 Inner Circle, have joined forces and they're going to be team owners of, of one of the teams. And then there's a really great project and a good friend of mine, Drew Austin and the Knights of DGen, Jack Settleman, that also have a team in the league as well. So we're embracing other communities in the NFT space to come join us in this league. And part of what we wanted to do here was to open this up to the crypto and NFT world and say, come help build this with us, right? We're all learning as we go, everybody in this space. And we're continuing to learn, we're continuing to innovate. And that's what I'm passionate about is continuing to kind of push the envelope in sports and entertainment and blockchain and see where we can go with it. You're doing it and you're doing it in spades, man. Thanks so much for sharing a little time with us and, uh, and sharing all the good news. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. We're back at uh, NFT NYC uh, at a very special event Secret Network is hosting. And we managed to uh, pull Shelly Palmer aside for a quick chat. I'm Josh Krieger. I'm here with Jeff Kelly, two of the hosts of Edge of NFT. And uh, it's great to see you, Shelly. How are you? It's amazing to be here. What a fun event. It's very new feeling, which is rare. Also, I'm happy to be out of the house <laughs> after 18 months of being in exile. So all a little claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's really an extraordinary event and so much energy and so much money laying around. Like, Let me tell you. Subjects, energy and money. I talk about NFTs for years now. And the one thing I talk about all the time when I talk about entertainment NFTs is friggin' Tarantino. I said, just drop something from his catalog in any way, shape or form. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm so happy that it's finally coming to fruition. It's amazing. Yeah, this should be exciting. I can't decide which of the Tarantino NFTs I will jump on the minute it happens. But this is the kind of thing where if you can actually get a piece of Quentin, that has value, both emotional value and probably value value. So it's a good excuse for an NFT, a collectible. Yes, entirely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Some of my favorite movies of all time totally makes sense. I think IP is where a lot of the value is. And I was explaining to a friend the other night over dinner that was having trouble understanding NFTs. What if you just think of it as like a little package of IP that's digital and they got that, that, that registered to them. Look, at the end of the day, there are more junk NFTs than there are valuable NFTs. It's a new asset class. It has to find its, its own level. I think there's 95% BS and probably 5% BS all over NFT NYC. People are just talking. But the real money is showing itself. The real value is slowly showing itself. And over time, this will mature. 
into a new way to do all kinds of things, mostly collect a lot of data and, and share in the value. The smart contract part of NFTs matter because you can, you can share in the value you create. And that's meaningful because we haven't been able to do that. You've always had lawyers standing in the way, regulations standing in the way, banks standing in the way, everything standing in the way. Here, if you can create, you can share in the value. And if you've created something of value, there's a new way to extract additional value from it and stay in that for as long as it exists. So for me, I love the newness of it. I also love the democracy of it. I just feel like I've been part of the creator class for my whole life. I've been a musician my whole life. I, all my friends are musicians. And you want to talk about getting screwed by the man full time? Ask anybody who's been successful in the music business who isn't Michael Jackson, how they feel about the value of their collected body of work. Shelly and I had an impassioned conversation with, with quite a few gentlemen about NFTs and whether or not it's a bubble. And I think that we were on the same side and I can see where your passion comes from. You're author, you're a futurist, you're a technologist, you're a musician, you're an investor. This brings it all together. One interesting component that we started to allude to is DAOs and how that all fits into the mix. And, and you know, I'm really curious because music is such a community driven event, what your perspective is on DAOs and how they fit in with NFTs. I'm in love with the concept of DAOs. I've been reading the foundational documents of every DAO I can get my hands on. And there's no set way to do a DAO. It's a, either a community of passion or a community of practice or a community of interest. They govern themselves. We're working on one right now that's stealth, but it'll be out soon enough. Basically, it's a bunch of people getting together. They're going to raise 150 million fiat dollars and they're going to invest it into NFT projects that they believe have value. Now, whether they're right or wrong, it's an investment thesis, it's a democratic governance, it's like an LLC or a corporate form, but it isn't, but it is. Ultimately, there's a utility token, there's a blockchain involved, it's like, wow, this is phenomenally new. I can't find any two DAOs that are alike, and I don't know how it's gonna end up being, like what's gonna be the right way to do it, but I know everybody I know is gonna figure out the wrong way to do it first, and then we'll finally figure out the right way. One of the things we, we've been talking about also is like DAOs and applicability to like regular government. You know, when you see some of these operations that are running and actually working, I know it's still early. I don't, maybe jurisdictions aren't ready to actually have their city run by a DAO, but there's something fun in there. I don't know. You know what's interesting, Jeff? The most successful things on the earth are the best organized human groups. If you look at the things that are great organizations, you may hate the U.S. government, but it's, and you may not like the organization, the bureaucracy, it's the U.S. government because it's the U.S. government. It's organized like a government. When you see the best corporations in the world, Amazon is organized, like it's an organization of people. So here, you, me, we could all, Josh, we all get together and say, okay, we're going to start a DAO. We have this thesis, we have this credo, we have a manifesto. This is what we're going to do. Let's get everybody together who thinks the way we think. How cool is that? I mean, it's like we will create value together. We will go out. And if you don't want to hang out with us, don't. And if you want to hang out with us, do. You want to invest? Great. You don't want to invest? Don't. Like, I love the whole concept of that. So, so there's a lot of folks who I've met that are sitting on the sidelines, a little overwhelmed, not ready to go down the rabbit hole. Is this DAO that you're conjuring up, is this a place where they can park some funds and just sort of watch and observe where they don't have to vote if they're not sure what the thesis should be? So it's interesting. The DAO that I am working on personally, not the one that I was just talking about, if you study democracy in ancient Greece, it wasn't one person, one vote. They had, they elected electors because you needed to have and prove a certain amount of knowledge and capability in order to vote for the people in your community or your immediate area. 
And I've been studying this deeply because I'm trying to understand what the best organizational structure for a DAO would be. So the one I'm working on right now is exactly what you just described, where we have, and we are going to do one that invests in music projects because that's my passion. And it's going to, but you're going to have to be elected to be someone with a vote. And the people are going to have to say, yeah, it's not a, you're not a senator. You're not a congressman. You are someone that your group who is supporting you inside this structure. And I'm basing it on base, on a 3,500-year-old governance structure in ancient Greece with a little bit of ancient Rome thrown in there too, figuring that it was a more pure form of democracy. It's going to totally rock or it's going to totally fail. Those are the two possibilities. Well, well, well everyone, that out, let us know. Because I, I think just Jeff's family and my family would want to form a DAO and elect us to, to make some decisions. So there's something interesting there. It is interesting, yeah, just how the one person, one vote mentality, while it sounds great on paper, in practice, when you start to bring people together, you start to recognize the value that people bring to the table and offer to the community is a central part to the weight of their vote. And that's what's naturally evolved with all of the DAOs that we've encountered today. And, and it seems to be working. It's very interesting. One of the other things, Jeff, and I'm actually very interested in how this is going to turn out. We talk about decentralization versus centralization as being critically important to all of this. But I don't know if the average person cares if something is centralized or decentralized. Some people do. And then my other issue is that if I've got a proof of work or a proof of stake environment, and I've got 60 or 70% of my tokenomics in the hands of a small number of miners or a small number of validator nodes, and they kind of get together, that's not really decentralized. Yes, it's decentralized, but if a small group of people have 60% of the power or even 35% of the power, that's no longer like decentralized in my mind. So I'm really questioning whether anybody's gonna personally care how decentralized certain things are. And when you start trading off speed and security for centralization versus decentralization, scale, all of these things are zero sum. It's the trilemma they talk about. I write about it a lot at my, on my blog and I just, I'm really fascinated by what this is turning into, but I'm so stoked to be here. Like seeing everybody that is so into this, it really makes me excited that there's like, it's not just crazy people who are technologically able to do this. It's people who want to create. It's people who want to organize. It's people who want to invest. It's like the entire ecosystem is here and I'm thrilled. I'm just totally thrilled about it. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. It's all happening in real time, right under our feet. Maybe the quickest technological transformation we've ever seen. I mean, we're talking about time changes in terms of months, not years or decades like we've seen in the past. Amazing times. Yeah, I mean, we're all familiar with agile development and its popularity. You know, I did government consulting back in the day and, you know, a two week sprint for a small segment of a project was really hard to pull off. And we have projects that are being created and launched in two weeks. It's unbelievable. How many went zero to 100 million in revenue? Revenue, not value, right? We had that from Web 2.0, but revenue in a matter of months. That is amazing. Also, how many went from 100 million to zero? in a matter of days. So th this is nowhere near the get rich quick scheme people think it is. And in fact, I would beg people who are in this to get rich quick to go away and make room for the people who are trying to create real value that is long lasting, where secondary markets actually matter, where the tokenomics makes sense, where you are actually schooled in the art as opposed to, wow, I'm just gonna, <laughs> to put it mildly, the TSA agent was telling my son that he had 20,000 in crypto. That is a moment where the, that's the Rockefeller shoeshine moment, right? Where the shoeshine person told Rockefeller he had owned stock in the corporation. It's like, okay, 
that we may have crossed the Rubicon into absurdity now. So if you're here to get rich quick, go away. If you're here to create value and share in the momentum of giving a certain class of individual the ability to create value and share in it long term, get great at it because we need you to get great at it. And the market has a tendency, as you said, to take care of uh, those that don't have genuine uh, long term interests, you know. So very cool. Yeah. One, one more question for you, Shelly. I mean, you've placed some strategic capital in the space. Do you mind sharing some of the projects in your portfolio that you're excited about and ones that you're just looking at and you're just a fan of? I like Audius. I like Theta. I like Terra Foundation. Solana, I like. I'm a big fan of what they're doing at Polygon. I'm trying to figure out Cardano. I'm heavily, heavily, heavily long on Cardano, but I don't know one person that's doing a project on Cardano yet, not one, including myself. So, I mean, those are the, that's the high level from, you know, from my world. There are a bunch of small projects that I don't want to talk about because I don't want people thinking I'm giving financial advice. Oh, if I'm in it, then you should be in it. I, I, but what I'm looking at, when I go to look in this space, First thing I do is I look at the foundation and the founding documents and who's involved, what their thesis is there across the board. Then I, I really study the tokenomics because the proof, the, the proof of the pudding is in the writing. Tokenomics, if you've got a handful of people who have already won and the winners are, are predetermined and I don't care for that very much. Um, then I also look at the potential u- utility. What, you know, if it's a meme coin, I don't touch it. If I look at the, I look at the potential utility long-term and think to myself, you know, is this a parlor trick or a paradigm shift? And you know, I have my own criteria for that. But the shorthand is, is this a utility or is this a nightclub? Like, am I going to go here for a couple of weeks and use it up and be, okay, now I need a new nightclub? Or is this a utility? And, you know, the, it's, you can figure out which is which pretty easily with your own criteria. That's how I approach it. Yeah, it's one thing to have a roadmap and to publish it, but roadmaps may be like, you know, could be like uh, chalk. If it doesn't have the right team and the model to continuously garner and keep a community excited. That's exactly right. And it's hard to predict. There's a lot of coders out there who are, let's just say, open book coders. They're, they're just not quite coders yet. You know, if you know the word solidity, you can get a job right now. And that's sort of like knowing the word SQL in 1998, 1999. If you knew SQL, what it was, not how to do it, not how to actually be a database engineer. If you literally just knew the term SQL, you were going to get hired at $75 an hour. Well, if you know the word solidity, you're probably in good shape right now. But that does not make a foundation, a DAO, an association. It makes nothing. So we have a lot more criteria than that. But I, I think if you're just doing this superficially, or you're just doing it on a surface level, A, this is not financial advice. I don't give financial advice and I'm not a licensed financial advisor, but ask yourself, is this a utility or a nightclub? And then decide, are you here for the short term or the long term? Are you here for the short term? This is common sense advice. Be a little careful because you're going to get screwed hard. If you're in it long term, be a little careful because you could get screwed hard. <laughs> Important words of advice for sure. We appreciate it. Shelly, Great insights all around. Love your enthusiasm for everything. Where should folks go to follow you, man, and keep track of all your thoughts? So you can sign up for our daily newsletter at ShellyPalmer.com. You can join over 600,000 of our closest friends in that community. And yeah, just, I mean, join us there. Get, get on the email list. And I'm, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have one of those weird names, Shelly Palmer. Throw it into Google. You'll come up with how to get, get me. And I'm very easy to find. And oh, by the way, just not for nothing, I have a book out there that's a number one Amazon bestseller called Blockchain. NFT smart contracts. It's an executive guide to decentralized finance. For reasons I can't explain, the paperback is out selling the ebook six to one. This I wow. don't know. I do not understand that. But help yourself. We're donating the proceeds to some to Girls Who Code and some other charities. So 
that's a place to start if you want to start. Come and find us and we'd love to talk to you. Amazing. Thanks so much for sharing with us, man. Hi. We love having listeners like you because you're not only generous, but you're smart and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act, but how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence back to charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their maximum impact fund, clicked donate, sent crypto to their address, done. Their maximum impact fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. Okay, well, here we are yet again with some really amazing folks at NFT.NYC. And uh, we've actually spoken to them before, a couple of cool guys from One Of, which is basically breaking incredible ground in the music industry and doing it in an eco-friendly way, which is of course, a huge demand of fans all over the world. So for the listener who's just tuning in, give a little bit of intro for, for both of you, and uh, then we'll get started with some questions. So uh, Alin, why don't we start with you and, and give a little intro on you and your role with One Of. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm Lin Dai. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of OneOf.com, and we're the green NFT platform for music. Yeah, great to be here, guys. I'm Joshua James. I'm the uh, COO and co-founder of OneUp. Yeah, guys, we keep taps on you on the regular since having you on the show. Fans of, of what you guys were doing did not get a chance to win that iHeartRadio Music Festival tour, but there's always next time. Right? I was on there every day trying, though. I know. Every day. It was a lot of fun. I know. We were, we were so busy with so many interviews, but every day we reminded each other to claim our, our token. It was a really great show, I have to say. It yeah. Was, uh, it was a more of a it was a celebration in person it was like the first concert i'd gone to since the pandemic yeah. and it was kind of this just really really party people were in such a good mood it was amazing that's awesome and then you guys had a, a generative drop last week that like sold out in 37 seconds is that right yeah it was with chief keith it was our first generative drop and spent a lot of time on it and it's kind of funny to work on something for months and months and then it sells out in 37 seconds it's, yeah uh, boom well, so, so what was the art like for that what was the collaboration like tell us a little bit more about that drop yeah, so Chief Keith have this kind of long-term artistic collaboration with artist Colorful Moolah. They have a really exclusive like merch line that's around the brand Glow Gang. So we took that and ran with it. And the whole idea is like the Glow Gang are made of, of these like 4,444 glows. And there are these light beings that lives with us, you know, in harmony with humans. And there's a whole storyline, story arc kind of connects both the digital and physical work. There's already like a super exclusive merch line with that. So this is, um, you know, we did the pre-sale, which was only the first 444 that got released. 
that sold out in like 37 seconds. I, you know, Josh, like Josh couldn't actually get one himself. Too slow. <laughs> yeah. So the main sale is coming up uh, next week on the 9th of November. So there's 4,000 more clothes to be released. So there, there's a lot of careful planning on that, right? So what we care, you know, what I really kind of stress with our entire team, our ethos is like when, when the drop actually sells out, it's actually when the war begins. Like this is a yeah. community for the artists. These are 4,444 4, fans of Chief Keef that is going to really enjoy this whole community we just built. There's a storyline and, and all of that. So. so so what's coming up on the roadmap in terms of the community and some of the things that will be available to the folks that have participated? Yeah, so there is, you know, we actually dropped a exclusive like a uh, Halloween modifier NFT. So you have this like potion that if you got your one of the four, four, first oh, 444, nice. you get to like change the outfit of like the uh, your, your clothes. Uh, there is exclusive uh, physical merch store. Only the members can participate. We also have four legendary clothes, right? So that is all legendary trades. You can't get them randomly from minting. So, but we are also um, just going to give it away to the community for participating. So, there's a whole also comic book uh, that is going to be actually community voted on storylines. Wow! And then Colorful Mula is going to actually create that into a comic book, and we're going to drop that as NFT. So, it's actually the beginning, right? The actual owning a glow is the beginning of a whole journey that you participate with the music artists and the art artists. It's kind of like, you know, the perfect world where we see kind of music and art and fan engagement come together. I want to ask a a really practical question for folks that are launching NFT projects or thinking about it. So post-launch, as you said, where the work really begins, do you have a team member that's focused on that, someone that has a portfolio of projects, and this is one of those projects where their attention is entirely focused to help advance the project and and enable to create that value? That's where we're very different than other platforms. I think think on other platforms where you have like eight different art drops a day, it's it's just impossible to do that, right? I mean, we focus on one, maybe two drops a week. We have entire teams and we're growing the team to just manage community and dedicate to communities. It's also not only us. It's working with the artists team themselves, the musicians and their management. And, you know, all these musicians have this whole community already there. And so it's about tapping in and and working with them to sort of draw them in and get them excited about it. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's great for a lot of folks to, to hear that it really does begin after the drop. A lot of work goes into it to make that thing successful, but to really create value for that community, you've got to stay on top of it. You've got to continue to add value over time and create new things. And that's amazing to hear. It's great. Yeah, fun stuff. And, and I like the aspect of just finding ways to reward people who engage in the community. I mean, we engage, we love guests and, and sponsors and partners that engage. And we, we also want to re- reward community. We see that as a huge, a huge theme in all of this. Um, and a way for people to participate that might not always have lots of other ways to participate. Yeah, you know, it's really important for, we like to work with artists that also lean in before. You need to sort of get this sense of community before and community after. You know, the drops that are like, oh, I'm dropping an NFT, go buy it, good luck. They honestly, it's, it's bad business. It doesn't do as well. The ones where the artists really lean in and become part of the NFT world sort of in advance and then stay afterwards, those are the ones that have done the best. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, I heard something interesting about you guys working with the Grammys in some capacity. Yeah, uh, there, Is that there, the case? There may have been a little bit of news about that on Monday. Yeah. So we, wow. honestly, in a pretty groundbreaking thing that we were really excited about, spent about six months working on this one. We announced a, a, a three-year exclusive deal with the Grammys Whoa. where we're going to be doing 
the 64th, 65th, and 66th Grammys. Wow. And we'll be making lots of interesting, fun NFTs around all things Grammys, right up into including the broadcast and after and experiential and everything. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. It's, yeah. it, it's probably the most exciting thing we've announced as a company. Yeah, so. very cool. I mean, that's a huge space to own for a few years and, and do something really yeah. cool with. Well, I mean, we just talked to um, NFT the movie, and it's interesting, you know, they've submitted to Sundance. And it, at the beginning of the year, when I first heard about NFT the movie, I thought, well, I'm sure it's going to be great, but I don't know if Sundance is going to be ready for that, right? <laughs> and uh, he, here you go, like we're approaching Sundance, and I think they might be part of Sundance, Amazing. right? And it's, it's really interesting to see how incredibly fast NFTs have been emerging into the existing landscape of what's going on. What's important, right? The Grammy collaboration is more than bigger than just the Grammys and and one of what, what does it I mean? We work very hard to really kind of legitimize NFT for the entire ecosystem, right? So Grammy coming in, leaning forward, and said, and this is not just a one year deal, right? This is like a three year collaboration. That's like the music industry saying, like we're all in. This is yeah. going to be part of the music like business model and ecosystem. This is not like a 2021 fad. This is, we're gonna look back on this moment as like, wow, this is not only the year like everything blew up, but also is like now legitimate. This is going mainstream, right? So that's part of our job. I, I have to say there's a lot of people that I'm curious about in the music industry, how they reacted to this news. I'm sure for some people it was a, a hurrah moment. And for the others, they were like, whoa, I think I missed something. Yeah, you know, it, uh, I have more unread emails in the last 48 hours than I've had in a long time. The incoming <laughs> has been pretty insane. But, you know, to Lynn's point, it, it was really impressive. The music industry is not known for moving quickly. In fact, they're known for the reverse. They're known for moving really, really slowly and historically bending a little bit behind on technology. Mm -hmm. So, the you know, the management at the Recording Academy has been fabulous and, and forward thinking. And I, I couldn't give them more kudos. We, we, we were even a little surprised that they were willing to move this fast. And it's been a great, great partnership. We're really excited about this one. Congrats. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Grammy's not known for necessarily leading the way with tech innovation or anything, but this is a huge step in the right direction. So the Alesso Dreamverse 101 drop. What yeah, can you tell us about one. this? Oh, so man, this one. is maybe going to take off into unknown territories. Wow. Some ways, right? That's, <laughs> that's what you call a segue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, part of it, every time we kind of do a creative collaboration with a music artist, it's usually, you know, what's really important to us, one is community, and two is kind of how the digital world, how the metaverse and the physical world intersect, right? So that's where we think, like, the utility gets really interesting. There's a lot of value to those tokens long, long you know, long, long run. So Alesso came to us, you know, he's a world-renowned DJ, like, producer. He came to us and he's like, I have this like idea. We have the creative already. It's called Cosmic Genesis. So it's this like exclusive song that's being released with different four different chapters. And each chapter has its own kind of like out of this world, like art and animation to go with it. And we're super excited to do this. But I was like, well, how does this connect to the physical world? So number one, so Dreamverse, which is a huge event that's tomorrow, Thursday in New York City at Terminal 5. Lesso is the headline. DJ like performer there. We'll we'll be there. Yep, we'll be there. All of us. Nice. Yeah. So like you know, at there we're gonna unveil all four chapters, right? So you can actually go on oneof.com and check out the first four chapters. We're gonna uh, release the one of one at the Dreamburst event, and the one of one actually comes with you know with we're like what kind of experience it come with the platinum level token, the gold level token comes with like backstage passes, you know maybe like exclusive VIP table at Alesso's like Vegas residence. The one of one comes with 
a seat on a space flight. Wait, and that's the thing. Like, I was waiting for you to say it because it's it's ridiculous. Was that Alessa's idea? Well, you know, it's, you know, Alessa did come up with, like, we're we're talking about this physical meets digital thing, right? So it's a collaboration. And then, like, basically, let's be clear. It's not like we're sending your NFT into space. We're sending you, the holder of the NFT, into space. If you want to bring your NFT for the ride, too, like, by all means. Well, and the second part of that, you know, this is like really our ethos and less of a management ethos is like we want to democratize NFT, right? We want everybody to be able to afford NFT. So, so you know, certainly if you own the one of one in the auction, you're going to you're going to be guaranteed to go into space. But we also made it that like, hey, there's a second seat that if you just bid in the auction, you don't have to win. You just opening bid, like throw it in. You now have a chance to interest sweepstake to win a second seat. But wow. as well as if you just own any of the gold tier collection or platinum tier collection of Alesso's Cosmogenesis, right? There's four chapters. The gold NFT is $88. You have a chance to win this space fly. Is Alesso I, coming with, is William Shatner coming with? <laughs> <laughs> William Shatner, piloting. I think, is already in space. So. Wow, if William Shatner was coming, I might be bidding this. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Although my wife has banned me from anything from space, space travel. So, so, so. <laughs> so part, part of this democratization process so you're talking about, just to bring it home, is just by bidding, you have a chance to go into space. So That's right. Like, we've, we've been talking about these space lights as a... Uh, you know, another example of class classism, right? Where if you're a billionaire, you get to go in space, what about everyone else? So what yep. was the inspiration for that concept? Yeah, so our space partner is Worldview, and their whole goal is to democratize uh, space tourism and space travel. So we kind of really saw eye to eye on that, right? So the idea is like, hey, like, you know, certainly the token holder, one-on-one token auction winner is going to go into space. We're like, what can we do for everybody else? Like, you know, the guy that basically bought the $88 NFT, I was like, I'm not even going to try to do it because I'm going to be outbid, right? So like, but like, how do we really bring that experience to the community? I think we think a lot about that. We have the entire creative team. So every collection we do is about how to give value to even the $5 token buyers, right? So, or, or to the free, you know, the, the iHeart collection, it's a million NFT for free. It's like, how do we add value to the guys that hold the free NFT? So we do a lot of that. Yeah, and, you know, we're really trying to embrace non-crypto native people and bring them into the community. Mm-hmm. So with low prices, credit card transaction, easy onboarding, sort of fun collectibles about things that they care about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to Lynn's point, we had $5 NFTs for DojiCat and we had $188,000 NFTs with DojiCat. So mm-hmm. it really runs the spectrum and it's, it's, it's on purpose for sure. Yeah, we were reminded the other day that uh, we were talking to Michael Bramlage from uh, Quid, which um, has been minting stuff pre-NFTs digitally. And he's a big base baseball card collector. We were talking about like just our baseball cards in general. How do you have kind of thousands of them, right? You have, you know, maybe certain rookie cards that are super valuable on one. And then you have a bunch of other ones that are fun and they're probably not going to trade them for a bunch of money, but you were getting them and they were exciting. And, and, you know, as part of the game, you know, and I think there's a place for NFTs across that full spectrum, price-wise, value-wise, function-wise. It's not just that everything has to be a ticket to space, which is freaking amazing, but, you know, like (laughs) there's a spectrum there. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about it, don't really acknowledge that fact that it's yeah. okay that there's a bunch of stuff out there that's reasonably priced and, and you know maybe there's a ton of value maybe there's not 
Yeah, we talk about this a lot. I was a big sports car collector as a kid, and some of the ones that I collected are now worth a lot of money, but when I was 12, that was not what I was thinking about. I was mm. thinking about, I love Michael Jordan. I want as many Michael Jordan cards as possible. Yeah. Luckily, I stuck them all in a box somewhere and forgot about it for 20 years, and, <laughs> and I found some money in a it box one day 20 years later. <laughs> but, you know, it was never about that. It was about I was a fan. And so, mm. you know, we think the same thing. Right. We like to talk about music rookie cards. So you have some artists you love that hasn't even signed a record yeah, maybe you were one of the first couple thousand fans. What if they sold $5 NFTs, like a right. hundred of them, and then five years later, they were Billie Eilish. Now you have the rookie card. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's, it's exciting. Yeah, somebody brought up this point the other day. It, like, these super fans, I think it was Gary Vee when he was talking uh, yesterday. These super fans won't have anything to uh, complain about now. <laughs> like, the ones that were, the ones that yeah. were early in, and I knew them about before yep. anyone else, and nobody appreciates it. Well, you know, if, if you got in, maybe you should purchase some NFTs. And, exactly. Exactly. Prove, prove that you were in on yeah. it, then there you go. Yeah, yeah. you know, NFT is basically certainly had a lot of power to change the trajectory and the lives of creators, but it's just as important to change the lives of, of the fans, right? Fans. Like when I was running head of digital over at Hot 97, my intern knows more about the next big like hip hop act than, than any of us. I was like, he, I mean, he couldn't afford to participate if every NFT costs like thousands of dollars. Like, right, this is kind of like his, his moment to potentially go get a $5 NFT and like, really see the success of that. You know, I think back to, I think it was high school or, or early college where, you know, there's one guy in our group, Derek, that loved Ben Folds 5, I think it was. <laughs> but then he got really crusty when everyone else learned about them and it lost a little of its magic when it became mainstream. But I got to think if he had been rewarded for being an early fan and totally. had benefited from that, he would have been happy to evangelize them a little bit more instead of keeping this, you know, musical secret. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, just as an aside, it's funny that you say that because I'm from Seattle. And when I was a kid, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden all broke. And there was a backlash in Seattle because the ultra hipster crowd was like, well, now frat boys in Wisconsin are listening to Nirvana. So I'm out. You know, <laughs> right, right. And it's the same kind of story. Yeah, yeah. But for sure. But I love this, this theme that came in here, the conversation of like the fans being such an integral part of things. I mean, I know as a musician, sometimes it's hard for me to imagine that other people can't even play music, right? Like there's so much that I know about playing music. It's, it, I think, I imagine everybody else does it. And I'll meet somebody every once in a while, say, oh, do you play guitar or, or drums or keyboard? I can't do any of that, man. They'll say, I just can't, I don't have those skills, but I'm a huge fan, you know? And I always think, and I say, well, yeah, you're just as important as I am to this conversation, right? Because Absolutely. without people yeah. to appreciate the music, the, mer- the music has very little purpose. Our third co-founder, Adam, if he was here, I mean, he'll he'll basically say, you know, every other forms of monetization in music is a one-way street, right? The artist is like, buy my ticket, buy my CD, buy my, you know, listen to my music streaming. Like this is like, NFT is the first time, time it's like participating in my career. Like you are come along for the ride, right? Like if you really believe in me and you support me, you'll be rewarded in the long run. Yep. Very cool. Well, guys, yeah, great to have you on. Appreciate you carving out a little time for us at this amazing event. Where can folks go to keep tabs of all these amazing stuff that you have going on? Yeah, so certainly you can sign up on oneup.com and, uh, you know, the whole experience takes a free sign up. It takes two and a half minutes to buy your first NFT with a credit card, right? You don't actually have to be an expert. And then follow us on all the social media. Our handle is just at oneofnft, spelled out O-N-E-O-F-N-F-T. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. And we got, I think we got a, unfortunately right now we all got a space shuttle we got to catch. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this, I mean, this conference feels like a space shuttle uh, voyage. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and just on top of it, you guys with your two launches and you guys both seem chill, not too jittery from too much caffeine. So very impressed. We'll have to sort of get some plays from your playbook and, and how to like keep pace with such a crazy chaotic space adventure that is this industry of ours. Thanks for joining us guys and look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, great. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Awesome. Hey guys, welcome back. We are doing some live interviews here in New York. I'm Josh Krieger. I'm here with Ethan Janney, Jeff Kelly. We are Edge of NFT and we're excited to be chatting with Robbie Heeker from Endowment today. Robbie, hey, what's going on, man? Oh man, it's good to be back in New York City. I live in San Francisco and uh, the energy here is always insatiable. And yeah, you know, bonus that I get to be here for a crypto event and yeah, just enjoying myself and enjoying meeting all these new faces and new projects in the space. Let's talk about something fun. I think if you don't mind sharing, we heard it in the elevator, right? You gave a talk. Was that you that said you gave a talk and right afterwards somebody else stepped on (laughs) on stage we might have recognized? What was that? Yeah, so we were doing a panel on the future of NFTs and creator and giving economies and it went really great. It ran over a little bit. We had this phenomenal conversation. We were all hyped up coming off the stage and we come off the stage and I basically like bump into Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) So cool. And I look at him and I'm like, what are you? what are you doing here? (laughs) And it turns out that he's doing an NFT project, which is great. And so we're really seeing this moment with NFTs where the broader cultural zeitgeist can really chew on what an NFT is. Mm -hmm. And that's really fun for us at Endowment because now we get to play with how we fold that into giving. Well, what is an endowment? Like, let's start there. Sure. Endowment is a nonprofit. We're a community foundation. I'm not sure if you're familiar with community foundations, but community foundations are basically nonprofits that serve a community. There's one for the Cleveland inner city, and there's one for the St. Petersburg, Florida Jewish community, and there's one for the Los Angeles Christian community. They tend to coalesce around religious communities or academic communities. There are all sorts of is, kinds of Is NFT a religion? That's the real question here. <laughs> you know, we could make the argument. We could certainly make the argument, but we're a community foundation for the crypto community. That's really what we're trying to do, is we are the philanthropic institution for the crypto community. And so we build software and services that provide frictionless on-chain decentralized giving. And over the past year, a huge percentage of our fundraised dollars have come from NFT sales, namely the X times Y equals K Uniswap trailer video that People Pleaser created, as well as the Artblocks Chromey Squiggles has a royalty split with a donor advised fund on on endowment. We even participated in the Ethereum the Infinite Garden movie fundraiser. 2% of the fundraiser for the Infinite Garden movie about the Ethereum virtual machine went to carbonfund.org through endowment. And so those were sold as NFT movie posters. And then a chunk of that NFT went and came to endowment and we liquidate it for dollars and move it to nonprofit organizations. Well, my friend, we have quite a lot to talk about. (laughs) We, We like gardening too. We've been cooking up this really killer... Living Tree NFT project. 
you know, we've had the opportunity to interview over 60 leaders in the space, and we want to sort of co-create a future where these interviews and our past guests are sort of built into an NFT project that gives back to the community. Sweet. Say more about yeah. that. Well, what, what do you want to give to? How well, are you figuring that out? Yeah, we've got two. We've got two arms of it right now. Arms, branches, roots, however you want to call it, seeds. Um, there's a lot of themes around growth and building relationships oh, yeah. and, and things like this. We have a, a hundred member a spirit seed collection, which is is kind of more of like a private planted underground kind of thing going on. Everyone who mints one of those will offset their carbon or offset the average carbon consumption of an American for one year. Wow. That's really exciting. And then on top of that, it's got all kinds of of utility benefits. Uh, We're partnering with Nicole Buffett, who's a a top 50 NFT influencer, and people will have a 10% chance of receiving one of her spirit coin NFTs, which are quite valuable as well. And then, you know, we're baking in all these ways. We've already been giving to the community in all these really cool ways through like giveaways and raffles. And, you know, we gave away a, a Picasso lithograph, for example, you know, just like, no, oh, hey, that's, that's really cool. cool. It partnering with EcoFi, um, one of our guests. So, you know, we just plan to give utility on and on uh, for the holders of these and make them and also give them a voice in what we're doing. The Living Tree Project, which is is the next level of things, which is coming very soon, is one where we'll plant 25 trees for every NFT that's minted in that collection. And then 2.5% of the proceeds of every trade will go back to plant more trees. So we're doing Amazing. a lot of environmental stuff at the moment and uh, building relationships and growing. Hey, yeah. You probably know the team at Carbon Base too, John and Max. I've heard of Carbon Base. I've never met them before, but... We'll connect you to those guys. I think they would love what you're doing. They're doing some really incredible stuff. They've worked with World Wildlife Foundation. They've been helping us with our project. I think the social impact potential of NFTs is in the blockchain is really incredible. It's got to be executed right. And I guess there's this question I, I have for you. Gary Vee earlier today talked about the fact that, look, let's face it. This is not a an industry... 100% 100% benevolence. There's 90% of the people in there here to make money. Right. You're doing something with the true social impact. What's your take on why people get involved in crypto and how social impact should fit into the mix and actually how does it fit into the mix? Yeah, you know, I think the mistake would be to classify crypto as, as one thing versus another. So many things are true about crypto at the same time. It is both an absolute gold rush And it is also transformational technology for how humans collaborate on planet Earth. And those two things can be true at the same time and have been true at the same time in the past as well. And what that means is that there's room for everybody to come in and contribute, right? Because there's this whole spectrum of opportunity that says, okay, bring us your passion, bring us your interests and apply this technology to it. And if you do that, you're going to discover something new and you're going to have a new kind of relationship with the people who you're interacting with, whether that's through art or through music or through financial primitives like lending and derivatives. So I think part of the reason why you're seeing like firms like Andreessen perform really well is in the crypto space is because they really believe they have this sort of like software eats the world thing where everybody 
is vulnerable to having some disruption being brought upon them by crypto technology. And that's true for this space as well. And so for me personally, I had spent a lot of time in a very profit-focused environment and was looking for a project that would allow me to kind of change focus for a little bit especially as the crypto market continues to grow into the multi-trillions of dollars, we have a rare opportunity and obligation to ask ourselves, what infrastructure are we going to have for giving back from the very beginning? Right? A lot of times, giving back can be an afterthought or something you do at the end of the year or something that you do when you have X dollars above what you need to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And We think what's exciting about both the NFT space and the crypto space in general is that we can start to engage with these topics early and often and do so in a way that leverages crypto infrastructure to show people the value of this behavior in a way that makes sense to them as somebody who's interested in crypto, right? In all of the previous iterations of web development, we've seen that the companies that come at this from principles first approach, speaking to the demographic that is using the new technology, whether that be social media or web pages and web 2.0 and 1.0 before it, the companies that come in build from crypto first principles, who build in a decentralized fashion, who look to embody the values of the broader industry are going to succeed. And so we're trying to do that with this set of services that is a full-featured community foundation. For a a large for-profit crypto project, an NFT project that's launching, they're just getting going. How would they collaborate with you to help realize some of those goals? Sure. The easiest way, especially in the NFT space, is to set your splits to endout.eth. We will get in touch with you. If you set your splits to endout.eth, we're going to come find you and be like, where do you want to give this to? And it's sort of like effortless platform agnostic way to take some amount of your royalties or your mint costs and turn them into impact. But for the larger projects, we're in communication with the Artblocks team, with Foundation. We have a profile on OpenSea and are sort of adopting all of the different NFT platforms that we possibly can. We did some work with Block Party, where we've got friends over at the Palm Studio. There's like, everybody needs that sort of service provider that says, hey, I have an artist that wants to do something that has some impact equation as a part of it. And in order to execute that, they want to offload the operations of getting the cash into the hands of the nonprofit. And what we provide is a platform that speaks to the values of those developers, right? Because we operate our entire program on chain, If a developer of one of these projects is looking at solution A that exists off-chain versus solution B that exists on-chain, nine times out of ten, they're going to select solution B because it makes it easier for it to integrate with their existing contracts. And it makes it feel more in line with why they're in the space in the first place. And to us, that's what matters. And we're finding that that's what matters to our partners as well. Yeah, having a real give-back partner that can help in the execution right, of that entire system is key. We've run into it before, where it's in our DNA. We know we want to give back, but there's no easy button to make that happen. I think you guys present that for a lot of these projects. Right. Right now, what we do is we create escrow contracts for every 
501c3 that receives a grant through our platform. And really what that means is that we are taking our first steps towards a global Rolodex of verified Ethereum addresses for nonprofits. We've also seen the Giving Block doing really great work on this front as well. But we're hell bent on getting to a place where those organization contracts are fully composable and have rich metadata on chain available to developers to basically come in and say, I'm just going to look at the endowment Rolodex of nonprofits and give my users the option to pick from any of these end Ethereum addresses to split with in the NFT space. And to us, the fully composable philanthropic institution is is a huge piece of infrastructure for the NFT space, for the DeFi space, for the world writ large. And so anything that we can do that moves us closer to that goal, like mm-hmm. that's where we're headed. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, thinking about that, there, and that you're solving such a huge pain point. You know, our friends did a project and we heard about the struggles to do what, right. what you just described. Well, let's look at nonprofits that are super curious about NFTs but super intimidated by them and what mm-hmm. their board will think of it, what their donors will think of it. Mm-hmm. Are you also foreseeing yourself directly assisting nonprofits with doing their own NFT projects? I've always wondered why couldn't a nonprofit take a small percentage of their funds and potentially put it into a lower risk DeFi component where they're not dealing with the deflationary pressure of the dollar any more than we all are. Why do nonprofits have to suffer? Right. Right. I think this is a complex situation that nonprofits find themselves in. And historically, nonprofits haven't have struggled to adopt new technology. Right. And there are organ- there are entire organizations that whose sole purpose is to basically bring technologies that were adopted by the for profit world a decade ago to the nonprofit world because it's just not their priority. Their priority is their program. And they're keeping the lights on sometimes. Right. Keeping the lights on, like the idea of putting in a bunch of time, money, effort into new vendors or new technology is certainly intimidating, if not a pain in the butt. And for just accepting a crypto gift, we talk to organizations all the time that have donors approaching them who say, I have all this Bitcoin. Will you please take this Bitcoin? Or I have all this Ethereum or insert token here. And the organization basically kind of throws its hands up in the air and says, I, I don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And the way we think about endowment is as the gateway into them getting more educated about what crypto can offer. concept that I'm talking about all the time is the stairway to crypto heaven is what I call it. And it's like how deep down the rabbit, you know, the other way that we, we talk about it a lot in crypto is, you know, like how deep down the rabbit hole have you gotten, right? Like there's sort of step zero where it's like, you know, you've played with a stable coin. Right. And then there's step one where it's like you've used a centralized exchange. Right. And then there's step two, which is you've used a self-custodied wallet and maybe you've minted some stuff. You've interacted with the chain yourself personally. Right. And then there's step three where it's like I'm in DAOs and I do this and I do that and I do all these different things. I do PFPs. I, you know, I'm contributing to this and I'm contributing to that. And orgs writ large organizations, nonprofit organizations are at step zero or earlier, either no knowledge or like, okay, I think I'm okay with stablecoin and I'll take that. 
And there are people at level one and level two and level three who will help organizations understand the implications and provide services to them, right? The giving block will be that level one for an organization where it's like, we'll help you manage all of your exchange accounts and help you process, right? And for level two, there's like, you can go and get a Coinbase institutional account. That's great and wonderful. Okay. And, but like when it comes to going full bore crypto, it's really hard for these organizations to get their board to understand what's at stake. And unless you have a board member who knows the crypto space inside and out and like has their own investments and is like, oh yeah, I'll self-custody a wallet for this organization, no problem. That's really the only people that we've really seen taking like the full crypto plunge. But what's fantastic about what we're doing at Endowment is we are this sort of first point of contact where it's like, you don't need to do anything special come to us with just your existing bank account. And the next time somebody says to you, I want to give you crypto, whatever you do, don't say no. Like yeah. say yes, you can do it. Just send them to endowment and we'll handle the payment processing, the donation processing, the tax receiving, the management of the asset itself, the grant making from our organization to the organization that you wanted to, and then making sure that the organization is getting it as dollars into their bank account because really what they want and what they mostly have to do, most of them do not have investment policies around how to handle crypto. And they don't want to go to their board and ask about that because then they have to come up with this whole plan about what they want to do for crypto. So we say, don't do anything different. Just come to us with your bank account, accept a few grants. And then when you're ready, let's start talking about how we go to that level one, right? Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of walking here before before oh, yeah. before running. Got it. And, yeah, and it's easy to forget. Traditionally, you know, they have to spend money. Like that's that's what they're in the business of doing. Right. So having it in a liquid form, and they're you know a typical nonprofit is not spending it on sort of these advanced technologies where cryptocurrencies so, are commonly exchanged. They're going to probably want it in, in in fiat. That's definitely true. Yeah. And having said that, though, like having sufficiently hedged against the reality. Let me say that I can't wait to build farmable donor advised funds that pay out to organization contracts that give an organization the option of putting it into a money market at Rari where they're earning 20% on their dollars. And like, we can say like, hey, keep your assets here. This is really interesting. Like there's something interesting going on here. The question is, who's ready for that? And how many organizations is that population? And what we're learning through the experiences that we're having with the 300 plus organizations that we've spoken to in the last year is that they really need dollars. They're going through the hardest economic period of their organization's history because none of them are making program revenue unless they are sort of COVID exempt. And that what they really want is exposure to the donor cohort and to the new wealth that's being created without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. And so here, enter endowment, where all you need is a bank account, and you can tell any donor that you can give any crypto to any organization in the United States. Yeah, that's a game changer for that whole ecosystem. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun because you get on the phone with these organizations, especially when they don't know the money's coming. That's when it's the most fun. So we just did with Fortune Magazine and People Pleaser. They did the crypto versus Wall Street NFT right. cover. They took oh, half the proceeds of that sale 
of the $1.4 million sale, took $700-ish thousand dollars of it and gave it to endowment. And we opened a community fund for journalism organizations. Anybody can go to the Fortune Journalism Pleaser Fund and give to journalism causes after the fact. Now, it's not closed now that we did the first $700,000. But with that first $700,000, Fortune picked four different organizations that were going to receive the grants. And the most fun phone calls that I get to do as an entrepreneur are to the organizations when they have no idea what endowment is, they have no idea what crypto is, and they've just received a six-figure check. And we had to chase down this one organization. We, I went on LinkedIn and I pinged everybody at the organization because they all thought it was a scam. They thought we were scamming them. And so they, they were like, this, this can't be real. This is crypto. Like, there's no way we're getting $160,000 right now. And it took us pulling up their 990, getting on the phone with their executive director and being like, hi, this is real. And once they started to learn about endowment and once we were able to sort of share with them our status and legitimacy, they were like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever, you know? And now the light bulb goes on and they're like, okay, like we're comfortable with this. And so coming back to that question about like, what are orgs up for, right? Like orgs need to, a herd mentality creature, right? They want to know that other orgs are using this service before they sign up for the sex. We're doing a lot of heavy lifting at endowment right now to kind of get over that hump of like, Nobody knows what you, who you are. You're brand new. You know, you're, you just posted your first tax report. The organizations are a little more risk averse in a space that is historically super risk off. Well, yeah. we're called the edge of NFTs. So when they when you share this with them, some of them are going to like it. Some of them are like, whoa, this is way too edgy. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact is, is you get a few you get a few that are really bought in that are respected right. by their peers or look to for, you know, the next thing to do. And you move them a couple steps, level one, level two, level three, you know, and that social proof there will help for sure. So Yeah, and we're also seeing donors playing a huge role in helping organizations feel more comfortable about it, right? Like mm. donors, both pooled donors and individual donors have been onboarding new organizations into endowment. We have the Rari Capital Foundation, Rari Capital Foundation was seeded by an initial gift from the Rari team, and their DAO suggests and votes on what organization receives a little chunk of that community foundation balance every month. And they chose the NAACP the other month. And the NAACP has never accepted a crypto gift before. And they got 5,000 bucks from the Rari awesome. Capital Foundation. It was their first crypto gift, and it was voted on by a subset of token holders through Snapshot, right? Like that gap crossing was unfathomable to a lot of nonprofits just not so long ago. And with Artblocks, we've been working with Snowfro. Snowfro has been committing parts of the Chromie squiggles, the royalties from that, to a fund that he controls that endowment. And he's made it public to his community. And he's just going bananas on the arts organizations in Houston, Texas. And we've been on the phone with maybe 35 organizations in Houston over the last month, month and a half. Now all the organizations in Houston are starting to talk to each other about the fact that these grants are coming in and that they're coming in from crypto. And they're all starting to sort of talk to each other. They're like, wait a minute, there's this thing called endowment where I'm getting these grants from and I didn't have to do anything. And it came from this NFT thing. And I think that to the nonprofit community is that aha moment that yeah. we've all been waiting for, 
for people to see how this very meta cultural activity can translate into kids in your local community learning how to paint or having their first experience with music or a food bank feeding a thousand families, right? And like, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this isn't just the metaverse anymore. That's something that we deeply, deeply need in the crypto community, and we're here to provide it. That's amazing uh, you know, stuff. I hope you take a note from Publishers Clearing Clearinghouse yeah. and, and do something check. with those first encounters, because I think those first encounters are moments in time that, that stand for something. The work that you're doing is really incredible, man. How can people stay in touch with you, learn more about endowment, maybe contribute or include Absolutely. you guys in a, in a project? We are actively seeking NFT projects that are looking to do splits with charity or 100% to charity. So if you're working on an NFT project and you want to do some charity component, let us take the burden of getting it into the hands of the organization off of your hands. The easiest way to come and let us know about that is our whole team lives in Discord. We're a team of about five now with a few volunteers here and there. So if you're interested in volunteering and helping out with endowment, all of that happens through Discord. Our team is full-time in Discord. It's discord.gg slash endowment, spelled D-A-O, not D-O-W. And... Follow us on Twitter at endowment.org. Awesome, man. Well, we hope you uh, have a fun time at the rest of the convention and maybe you'll run into a few other uh, Hollywood celebrities. You know, we'll see what happens. Yes. (laughs) And we love what you're doing, man. It's great hearing about it. Thank you. I'm hoping to have like an Uma Thurman sighting next, maybe, you you know, (laughs) we'll just start crossing off the Tarantino. She may be out there. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Thank you guys so much for having me on and love what you guys are doing. And we're big fans of the show at Endowment. So awesome. Appreciate it. Keep on keeping on. Thanks, man. We hope you've enjoyed this special bonus content from our time in NYC. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And don't forget, as a member of the Edge of NFT ecosystem, you're part of a community defined by collaboration and co-creation. Right now, we're giving you a literal opportunity to plant seeds with us and grow deep roots and broad branches together through NFTs. We're breaking ground on our own special NFT collections. Please head over to spiritseeds.xyz to find out more about our collection of only 100 Spirit Seed NFTs that will ever be minted that's been created in collaboration with NFT influencer Nicole Buffett. And stay tuned to our Discord found at edgeofnft.com discord to get the inside scoop on our upcoming Living Tree NFT drop. Between these projects, we aim to plant tens of thousands of trees with you and offset thousands of metric tons of carbon emissions. At the same time, you'll get special access to our giveaways and events, as well as even more opportunities to co-create and collaborate with us. Check out edgeofnft.com slash discord to join our discord and plant your roots within our community now. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.